1: This is the Successful Life, it's Corey Barrier, yeah come learn with me, take you down the path of our journeys. This is the Successful Life, it's time to take what you learned, apply it to your life, it's your time To live a successful life, you are tuning
0: in to the Successful Life Podcast. let three, three, let's go! Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, I am your host Corey Barrier and I am here with Andy Aranda. What's up Andy, how are you?
2: What's happening, Corey? Good, to, good to be on here, buddy.
0: Good to see you, brother. So, uh, Andy is the uh, he and his wife Alexis both own uh, a company called Pure Plumbing in Las Vegas, and so <clears throat> I just thought I would throw that out there really quick. I've, I've worked with Andy for several months now, and really have got to understand the culture of the company. I've got to understand his, um, you know, his. His work ethic, his thought process, the way he runs his company, and the way the employees kind of follow, right? And so, I, I bring that up because I think that company culture, core values, I think is something I think it's missed by a lot of by a lot of companies. I'll be honest, and and you know, I just wonder, Andy, like, what are your thoughts on that? You know, have you? I'm sure you've worked for people that probably had no core values or zero company culture. How do you Mm -hmm. think that's played a part like in your current business?
2: Well, I think it all goes down to, uh, you know, what, what is it, what is the type of culture you want to instill in your company? And, you know, since the get go, you know, and and starting my company, um, I've always wanted to work at a place where I enjoyed working. Um, I've always wanted to work in a place where people enjoy to be around me. So I think, you know, we've really kind of cultivated a culture like that around here. Now, you know, a lot of companies don't look into things like what type of office environment that, you know, their employees uh, work in. Um, I'm very, very particular in that aspect because I believe if you put people in a good environment, um, they're going to feel better about themselves. They're going to feel more kind of pride in where they work. And naturally, they're just going to perform better. Um, And I think that's something that I've always been very particular about but uh you know like anything you know uh, core values are super important within a company it's something that you know through the span of of us being in business i mean our core values have 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 been at an uh, at an all high and they've been at lows you know and i think uh you know over the longevity of the time of of being in business that's something you just always need to work on just like a relationship
0: yeah think that's the truth um you know it's interesting when you said that about Uh, the workspace, right? I think about, and this is not anything against Walmart or maybe it is, you know, I I think about, I thought about when I walk into Walmart and I walk out of Walmart, I feel dirtier when I, than when I walked in, right? And it, you know, it just, it is what it is. And if you walk into an environment that's Mm -hmm. maybe, uh, let's just say different than what you're normally used to. And and it, it, it makes you feel like the environment that you're walking into, right?
2: And so I think that's your point. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you know, you got the target people, you got the Walmart people. What's the difference between the two? You know, if you closely look at the difference between, you know, your Walmart clientele and your target clientele, you're going to notice that both prefer something different. And I think uh, that goes into culture. I think it goes into the way that the aisles are set up, maybe the way they're spaced, maybe how... Uh, you know, the environment looks or how it feels. And uh, those feelings bring on, uh, you know, just bring on a lot of different emotions when you're purchasing and stuff like that. So yeah, that, that has a lot, you go, there's a lot that goes into the psychology behind that.
0: That's right. So Andy, I wanted you to, you know, for anybody that's in the trades that are listening to this and maybe we, you know, it could be, there could be an HVAC plumbing, roofing, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, here's one of the things that I thought was really shocking. Um, I thought I, I, I had no idea what it cost to outfit like, uh, you know, your trucks, right? Y- you have, you know, you've got what, 15 or 20 trucks mm-hmm. on the road every day. And I just wonder, you know, I think I'd like for you just to share a little bit about that, because guess what? I'm pretty sure when you started out, you didn't get the same experience as you give your guys now, right? I mean, they come to work. And they have a fully stocked truck when they get there on mm-hmm. their first, first day, right? You didn't have that when you started, right?
2: Yeah, I think uh, it really depends what company you work for. You know, I always tell people, you know, you want to work for a company that uh, has nice vans, has nice vehicles, has nice shelving in the vans and uh, prepares you with the right type of stock because depending how you're getting paid could determine what you get paid. Um, so if your, your truck's well stocked, you're able to be efficient with your time. You're going to be more effective when you're dealing with your customers and you're not going to be running for, you know, three parts runs a day when you're doing simple plumbing jobs. So okay. what does that equate to? I mean, if you're properly stocked, less tr- trucks, you know, less uh, trips to the part store, that means you can spend more time servicing your customer, which then, you know, you're looking at more dollars.
0: That's right. Uh, and you're looking at more happier customers, Right.
2: I mean, yeah, everything
0: works better that way.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, it's, I I think, uh, you know, when, when we're talking about the trades, there's so many facets in the trades in um, service in particular is just one of those uh, facets of the trades that you have to be prepared. You know, you have to know what your client's going to want so you can have it stocked on your truck because time is money. And uh, your customers look at that too. You know, for every customer out there, that's, you know, you think they may be concerned about price. They're actually concerned about how fast you're going to be able to take care of their problem because to them, time is money and you can't make up time. So we got to do the best we can to save it, which is going with the right, you know, materials and parts to be able to fix their problem in an efficient manner.
0: Yeah, absolutely, dude. A hundred percent. So the next, you know, the next thing I I just wanted to bring up, you know, since we're talking about the trades, which is, you know, probably the basis of this whole conversation. Um, but you know, Andy, you you've got a, a brand that you've created called the Modern Day Tradesman, and what I think is so so cool about that brand is that you're trying to change the way people look at the trade. And so I relate to that because people look at salespeople
2: mm-hmm. the
0: same exact way as they would. I mean, may, maybe it's not exactly the same, but you understand, like it's the same. In other words, people think if you're in sales, you're a used car salesman. If they think you're a plumber, they think your crack's hanging out or that you're dirty or, or whatever. Oh, yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you're bringing respect back to the trades.
2: Well, I think to, to bring respect back to, you know, like you are saying, you know, a sales guy, um, whether they're selling in the trades, outside of the trades as a car salesman, I think we really got to look at it as um, we got to bring attention around the problem. And once we bring attention around what the problem is, we can start to look and diagnose what it is we need to deliver and what we've been lacking over time. Because, you know, you know, for instance, you you go buy a car, you know, the first thing you're thinking is, oh my gosh, look at this guy coming across the parking lot. Look at this other guy coming across across the parking lot. Which one's going to get to me first? <laughs> That's right. Right. And the yeah. second thing, right? What are they going to try to sell me? That's Right. right? So then, maybe you get a good experience, and you get that guy that comes up and says, "Hey, how's it going? I'm such and such. You know, I see you're here looking for a car, no pressure or anything. If I can answer any questions, you know, I'm here to help out right and uh you know if he asks the right questions uh and doesn't try to sell you what he wants to sell you to get a good commission, then he's really going to be solving a problem that you're there for, right so You know, you may not want that, you know, Corvette sitting on the, on the, you know, on the corner of the lot on display, right? You might want a minivan, right? So, is he going to ask you the critical questions? He's going to ask you, hey, how many kids you got? You know, what are you going to be using this car for? Who's going to be driving it? Is it going to be your wife or is it going to be you? Because a lot of times, you know, maybe the husband's out there buying for the wife and the wife might be there, but she might not be as aggressive or the one that's going to make the decision. So, you know, there are a lot of different questions you're going to have to ask. And just like that in the trades and in service, you know our customers want to know that you know, we're not there to sell on the benefit of the company. Um, we're there to solve problems, asking great questions to kind of narrow down what it is that they need. And then once we figure out what it is they need, then we can give them different ways that we can solve their problem. So I think that's you know that's super important. And I think that's something that gets looked past a lot.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And I think that, you know, I think that people, you know, I think people just believe that, you know, if you're in sales or if you're in, even in the trades, and I kind of couple them together because ultimately I think that people look at them very similarly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's just doing the right thing. It's just serving the customer with what Mm -hmm. it is they need, right? There's no reason For me to come to you, for example, if I'm your, if I'm your, if I, if I'm, well, I am, I do consult with you, but my point Mm -hmm. is, is that I wouldn't come to you and say, Andy, you need to do these things and it's going to cost this much money if you didn't Mm -hmm. need to do them, right? Because that's, that, and that's the, I think that's the misconception with
1: Mm -hmm.
0: what a lot of people feel like when when they're getting so quote, air quote, sold to, and Ultimately, if you, do a good, if you do a great job just explaining the results of what the, the product or service that you're selling, you really shouldn't be selling. Ultimately, you shouldn't have to sell them on the deal because ultimately they, they're going to make the decision on their own. And if you've done a good enough job providing the value, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be a question at the end of whether or not they move forward.
2: 100%. And, and you know what? There's something that I always go by, right? So, in, in my particular business, to guarantee that we are serving our customers correctly, um, first, we plan. Second, we communicate the plan. Once once we communicate the plan, there's nothing left to do but to execute on the plan, right? So, that would be serve, right? We serve our customer what it is that we communicated in the game plan. And once we do that, and if we do that effectively, then we can enjoy the result as well as our customer, right? And so that's a win-win between our customer and us. So we both enjoyed the process in the end. So the customer's happy and you're happy with the result of what you had delivered.
0: That's exactly right. So, Do you think that's where a lot of companies just go wrong because they try to milk people for things that they probably don't need? And maybe mm-hmm. that's why there is you know, the, the lack of respect in industry.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I think it all comes down to training. It all comes down to core values. So, I mean, when you're bringing people into a company, what are your core values? Are your core values posted up? Do people know what they are? Do you recite the core values? I mean, we started off great with our core values in my company and then we kind of slowed down a little bit, you know, and then we started of ramped it up. Then we slowed down on it a little bit. And then our core values changed over time. We didn't communicate it effectively. And then, you know, we kind of got the result of that. But I think what, you know, if I could stress this to anybody who is in the trades or anybody in sales or in a company that you're hiring people to take care of your customers, I think the number one thing is this, teach them your core values, make sure they understand the core values and then break down the core values at least once a week. So I think my new thing right now is, you know, every week I'm going over one core value, and we're breaking it down to how that core value is going to make you a better customer service representative, and going to make our customer happier in the end.
0: Agreed. And just to be clear, uh, for the for the folks that are listening, look, uh, core values are what is close to you. It's what matters to you. It's not what matters to Andy. It's not what matters to whoever. It's what if you're the if you're running your company. It's what matters to you. And your employees then should fall in line with that if they're your employees, and ultimately you should hire, really and fire on those core values.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And and you know what, um, you know a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, companies could get caught up in needing to hit a certain amount of revenue every month. And you know what, it's great to have goals. It's great to hit goals, but if you don't have a pipeline of talent, you know, walking through that door. And it comes to making a decision based on your core values, whether you're gonna whether you're gonna part ways with somebody because they don't meet those core values. If you have a pipeline of people coming in and a lot of people are interested in working for your company, it's going to be easier to make that decision and cut that person out. Um, if you do have a pipeline of people, because you know, as as business owners and you know, as, as as people doing business, you know, we have to fight that battle, right? To stay in business, we've got to do this, and uh, you know, to keep employees, we got to do this. And sometimes we can sacrifice our own core, core values um, just trying to keep our doors open, you know, and, and I think especially during a time of, of, of COVID and, you know, if you don't have a lot of candidates coming through the door, um, that really puts you in a, a predicament, um, you know, that could be kind of tough. So if I could stress it to anybody is make sure you have a pipeline of people coming in, make sure you're, you hire a team based on those core values and go over those core values frequently. That way people are always, you know, are constantly reminded of those core values because, you know, like everybody says, you got to communicate, you know, you got to communicate your core values frequently. And even though you might be bored of getting up there and, and, you know, communicating these things to your team, it doesn't mean it's not necessary. It just means it's something that needs to happen often, you know, and continuously.
0: That's right. You know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I've, and I know we've we've both heard this you know it the when you become a master at your trade or whatever it is you do it's because mm-hmm. you get really good at doing the same shit over and over and over and perfecting mm-hmm. that process to where you can do it without thinking right and so 100 that, and that's super important unbelievably important so uh, you know you brought up COVID let me just ask you I have I want just to paint a picture for anybody maybe they don't own a business or maybe they're in a business like myself where I just work for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But somebody like you, you've got, you've got, uh, you know, tw- I don't know, 25, 30, 40 employees. Uh, mm-hmm. How, how did this, you know, you're also an essential company. So the good news is you didn't have to shut your doors. That's great. But what, do, what all did you have to put in place extra that you didn't have in place before due to the requirements or mandates or whatever that looks like. Um, Can you just give us a little bit of an idea of what that looked like for your. This episode of the successful life podcast is brought to you by house call pro, whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork or boost revenue house call pro is your all in one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes.
2: So yeah, so of course, when uh, when COVID hit, you know, I was kind of freaked out a little bit. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what was going to happen. There's a little bit of uncertainty there. Um, and whenever, whenever I feel a little bit of uncertainty, I don't know if you do the same thing, but Um, I hone in on things. I mean, I really laser focus on what it is I have to do to get us through this. And, you know, part of it could be uh, fear, anxiety. And when you're a business owner and something unexpected happens, you start to laser focus on um, your weaknesses. So that's what we did is we focused on our weaknesses. We started strengthening things up. We strengthened up our policies. Um, We started typing up new policies, more improved policies. So this time for us was actually better because we really honed in on our weaknesses and we got stronger. Um, we we hired people to come in and help us in our weak areas, which you help us in our our sales process, which you've been a huge help. Um, you get people outside to look at your process because even though you might be good at sales or might be good at training your guys in sales, you never know unless you get somebody outside to come in and look at your processes and give you a critique on it. So. You know, for those of you who, uh, you know, the best thing you could do is put your ego in your pocket, right? Put your ego in your pocket um, because sometimes you got to bring somebody else in. And although it might hurt your ego a little bit and your pride, um, it's going to be better for your company, man. And you know what? You can never be so prideful um, than not to take outside help sometimes when you need it. So, you know, for all of you ego driven, you know, business owners, we all are, we have to be right. We have to have an ego to think we're good enough to go out there and serve our customers. But also we've got to check that ego sometimes, uh, to bring in help when, uh, we might be struggling in some areas, but the big thing, uh, uh, you know, to get back to your question is I had to put policies in place. Um, I had to strengthen up my policies. Uh, when my tech, my, my techs got to the home, I had to train on those policies Um, we had to make sure that, uh, you know, our guys were of course using PPE when they were going into houses to make people feel comfortable. Um, I had to get, you know, on, on YouTube and online to let people know those processes, um, because we wanted people to know that, you know, we're, we're with it. Right. So, uh, you know, we did a lot of those things. Um, we actually redesigned, redesigned the whole back of our shop, um, to cater to, you know, the type of service we were trying to deliver and to keep people separated. Uh, because I didn't, one, I, I wanted my employees to feel safe too. You know, they're going back to their families, their kids, possibly loved ones. And, you know, although, you know, my opinion of this whole COVID thing is different, you know, I've got to consider the feelings of my employees and I've got to cater to them. So that's what, what it was mostly about is just making them feel comfortable so they could go out and make their customers feel, feel comfortable as well.
0: Sure. So, you know, the other thing I was wondering, you know, I noticed that, you know, and I don't know cost wise. I know that that's a lot of time putting together all that stuff, videos and processes. And but as far as like, you know, I go into like, you know, Wal, not even Walmart, really. I go into to Target if I go anywhere. And mm-hmm. but you notice and there's plastic shit up everywhere. There's different things that they've had to adjust. That had to have cost a fortune, I would imagine. Now, fortunately, you didn't have to go through a lot of that. But yeah. that, you know, I just, you know, I it, it had to be quite a burden, not to mention some of these companies are, you know, still not a hardly open restaurants and 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 anyway. So uh I think everybody pretty much knows about COVID. So I think we move on from that. But I just think it's mm-hmm. interesting and um you know, a lot of people haven't survived, but a lot of people have, and a lot of people have thrived. So, and,
2: and that's and that's the thing, Corey, is like, look at all these businesses who got tents. You know, I don't know, about, I don't, I don't know how it is over where you're at, but out here, people were putting up party tents, man. They're putting that's up right. party tents. They were putting people in tents. They were putting heaters in there. They were making sure that they were doing all that they could to stay in business and to keep their employees working, which I think is great. Because you got two types of people: the ones that are going to fold, and then you got the ones that are going to think of creative ways to stay open and work around it. And you know what? Kudos to those guys out there who actually uh, who are actually keeping their businesses open because uh, now's not the time to fold. It wasn't the time to fold then as well because number one, you got to keep your 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 business in business because you have promises to every single employee you hire, right? right. So my big thing was, was during this whole thing: I'm not going to fire one single person. I'm not going to lay one single person off, I should say, um, because of a COVID-related issue. I'm actually going to employ people. I'm going to hire people. And I'm going to give people jobs when they need it the most. So that was my target this year. And I think we accomplished that well because we've grown during this time of COVID. And uh, thank God to our customers. They keep kept us busy. And uh, our management team, You know, they were just relentless in their pursuit to, to really, um, you know, help us thrive during this time.
0: For sure. Uh, and, and you've got some, uh, you've got some pretty exciting things coming up, right? Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. So, you know, definitely some great things coming up, you know, opportunity has struck in uh, Texas for us, you know, as you all know, you know, there's been some freezing down there in Texas. There's been a need for plumbers out there. So um, we've rose to the occasion and we are opening up a, a location in Dallas. So we're extremely excited to get out there and, you know, to help our brothers out there and, you know, get their, uh, get their things back working, you know, and to help our fellow plumbers out there um, to help out with that workload and stuff like that. So we're super excited. Not only that, but I'm excited to see, uh, you know, to employ, you know, people in Dallas and stuff like that. And uh, excited to expand, expand our brand out there, man.
0: Yeah. That's, that's absolutely incredible. I, you know, what a, what a great opportunity and, and, and what a great, uh, you know, and I think it's interesting because, you know, Dallas was never a place I don't think that you were looking at. It was typically you were looking at well, Arizona, right? But
2: you know, but- it's 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 crazy. Uh some you know, it's and you got to recognize things in life like when you're drawn to certain places, um you might have a certain plan for what's going to happen. But you know, life kind of has a plan for where you need to go sometimes. And sometimes you just need to follow that plan and and where it takes you and you need to be comfortable and you know, sometimes you know, you got to flow with the river, man, you know, instead of trying to carve into the cliff, you know, follow the path that's, that life's taking you. And, uh, don't think too much about, about the hardcore plan that you set for yourself because, you know, we all make these plans and plans are great because we have something to work towards, but those plans don't always hit the target. Sometimes they hit this target, but you get the same result. So I think that's what we're, what we were looking for.
0: Yeah. So, you know, would you call that, you know, so that's, a, I think that's a, such a great point. And, you know, whether you call it God or the or universe or whatever, I, you know, I, I, I guess I sometimes call it both, you know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, you get that intuition or you get that, that gut feeling, right. And there, the, the gut is the second brain. I think a lot of us know that. And, but for years, I don't know if we knew that. So, I just, I, I just wanted to point that out because this is a classic example of, you know, your brain said, let's go to one place, but your gut said, wait a minute, we need to think about, we've got an opportunity here, let's just open up, the, you know, let's just crack the door open for a moment and look to see if this makes sense. And it did make sense. And so you trusted your gut opposed to your plan in this situation, which I'm guessing is going to turn out magnificent because i mean i i, I mean it, we, we all know what's going on in texas and you know ultimately they need to the help dude they need to the help
2: totally man and, and you know what let me tell you something i love i love those uh, texas values i love the people uh, i love what they're about you know especially during covid man you know uh i was very happy for places like florida texas and stuff like that who you know kept their states open and kept their people working man i think it takes good leaders you know, to uh, to make a decision and stand by it, even though it's hard, and they, you know, get scrutinized for it. Um, I, I like that kind of stuff, man. So, yeah. you know, when I see leadership like that, why wouldn't I go? That's you know, great point. Yep. I mean, why why wouldn't a company go to Texas or Florida right now, man? Their leadership is good, and you know, their governors clearly aren't scared of scrutiny. And you know what? Maybe someday, five years down the road, um, they will be looked at as great leaders. You know, people who kind of looked fear straight in the eye and said, hey, this is what we're going to do for our people. They made a decisive decision that maybe wasn't popular, but maybe might be in five years from now. You know,
0: right. Absolutely. And and here's the other thing. You know what? You didn't even think about you didn't think for a split second to go to one of these states that have, you know, well, for lack of better terms, with shitty leadership, because ultimately, you know, we'll just take California, New York. I think most people on this planet other than the people in maybe in California would believe, would mm-hmm. would agree that, you know, the governor Newsom's is, is, you know, uh, I, uh, whatever. And then the other guy, he's definitely in hot shit right now. So like, here's my point in saying all that is that at the end of the day, now these p- people don't want to move there. In fact, there's a shit ton of movie people moving from New York down to oh, yeah. Florida because of this very thing, and they just didn't have the common sense to think about it. And Andy, I'll just tell you, dude, I was in New York. Um, I can't remember how long ago it was. Sometime during this debacle, and uh-huh. and like when you drop, it is it's like a different, it's like a whole different city, dude. Like it's boarded up downtown. It's it's not New York City, dude. It's not New York City at all. And it just it, it breaks my heart because a lot of people would come to America just to go there. And now the two 100%. states that were, you know, these big attractions, California, and New York are, are like, I don't know why anybody would want to go there at this point.
2: Well, you know, this is the thing is, you know, you got the two biggest some of the two biggest cities in the United States um, have been shut down the longest has been un, have been under the most stringent rules and are some of the most expensive places to live in America what does that tell you, man? I mean, they're the most expensive places to live. People are struggling over there right now. They're not able to pay anything. Our government is printing money. Like, you know, like it's going out of style. And you know what, for me, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, you know, we're getting the stimulus money and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's to come. Dude, tell me
0: about it, Andy. Holy shit. We don't even, we haven't, we haven't seen the worst. This, if people think this last year was the worst, we haven't yeah. seen the worst, dude. The worst is when the fucking yeah. bills come in and and who's going to pay them, right? I mean, yeah. Where's all this money coming from?
2: Hey, Look, you know, Corey, I'm just getting ready to work my, my butt off, man. I'm getting ready to work my butt off. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be able to get our country out of um, what I think is probably going to be uh, uh, some, some rough tax time, man. Um, yeah. You know, interest rates are fairly low. You know, um, you know, it's easy to get money right now and stuff. And, uh, you know, when, when things like that are too easy to get, um, it always means that there's going to be hard times coming ahead, just like anything else. Right. right. When, uh, you take a break from working out in the gym, what, what happens when you, when you miss, when you miss a lot of, a lot of days, you come back and it's torture, it's harder. Right. So I'm really just trying to go full steam ahead, man. And just try to crank through it. Try not to really think about it um try to try to build as much as possible and uh have a positive attitude about it but you know like any other american man i'm i'm concerned about my country too and concerned about what my kids are going to have to grow up with and uh you know that's the reason i really do what i do is for my kids and to build a good future for them so you know yeah (laughs) just like us responsible americans have to think about stuff like that man
0: that's exactly right so So you know Oh,
2: go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so, you know, my take on the whole stimulus thing is I just hope it's going to the right people. Number one. And uh, I hope it's helping people that really are struggling right now. Um, And that can't work because um, that's, those are the people who obviously need it. Right.
0: Yeah. I think they're just sending it to everybody. I think, I I don't know. I haven't looked into it too much, but I I just know that I I think that sounds like me what's going on, which is just bizarre as shit to me, but um, Andy, if somebody sees you now, right? They see mm-hmm. you running this massive. I mean, it's a for for the for a plumbing company, it's a big ass plumbing company. Like you've got a, you know, you've you've really put your foot down in the in the valley in Vegas. So if somebody from the outside looking in, like let's just say mm-hmm. you've got a trade uh, a, a tradesman that's you know he's early on, maybe he's in his twenties, and he sees mm-hmm. you in your business, and he thinks you know that kid. That guy was probably born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He probably hadn't plumbed a day in his life. Uh, Tell us a little bit about like where you, you know, how you started out. Did you start out with everything handed to you?
2: No, man, actually, uh, you know, you know, I, I, I grew up with my mom, you know, first, first half of my life, you know, she, you know, my father didn't want to be any part of, of her or my life. So she really raised me, you know, it wasn't until I was about five years old that, uh, you know, her husband adopted me and, uh, you know, really took me in and he was a plumber and uh, he comes from a, a plumber of, you know, gosh, now four generations of plumbers. So I really uh, was fortunate to grow up in a family who had strong work ethic. And uh, at the time, of course, you know, as a kid, you're just like, oh my gosh, I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. It was like always a pain in the butt. But you know what? I always, uh, went with him to the shop. I always went with him on service calls. Uh, can't say I ever wanted to do plumbing, but man, uh, you know, I'd, I'd get in the ditches and dig with him and stuff like that. And although I hated it when I was a kid, um, it was just conditioning for me because when I actually got into, uh, you know, having to pay bills and having to fend for myself, um, I knew how to do it, man, because I had this trade behind my belt. And you know what? It wasn't easy work. And, uh, most people probably wouldn't pick up a shovel. Maybe it's above you know, above what they would do. But let me tell you, man, I picked up that shovel and, and I made good money. Um, you know, I went to school for a while, found out that that wasn't for me. And, uh, you know, I, I really just embraced the trade, man. I, uh, I said, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on it. Um, I spent time in Chicago, uh, away from Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is like night and day, right? You go to Santa Fe, it's a very, very small artsy town. Right. And you go to a place like Chicago which is like, you know, just hustling, moving, and you've got a lot of competition out there. So, um, my time out there, man, it really really kicked me in the butt, man, cuz um, you know, you had to be a go-getter, man, to survive. And there's no family, I didn't call, no handouts. It was just me going out there and grinding, man, and and it was tough, dude. And to be honest with you, that was probably the best thing I ever did was get out of my hometown, meet new people, try new things because it gave me the foundation you know, I had always plumbed with my family, right? But when I went out there, I was building homes. So, when I was out there building homes, I was learning different styles of plumbing, different types of framing, different types of roofing materials, you know, different types of foundations, different types of framing, brickwork, you know, masonry, stuff like that. So, for me, it really made me a well-rounded person. And uh, if I could go back and change things, you know, sometimes I say I would to get a different result, but I actually wouldn't, man, because that's really built who I am today. It's made me a go-getter. In 2008, I moved here to Las Vegas and it was, you know, it was during the crash, right? So during the crash, you're like, you come here and you're like, oh, I'll find a job and no problem. I got a great resume. I've done all these great, spectacular things, you know, and at the time I had a, like a folder with all of my work in it put together. And man, it took me a while to get a job out here, man. It took me a long time so i I took a little bit of a a break my wife had her job at the time my girlfriend had her job now wife um and she was making good money and she just said hey you know look for a job that you're going to want to get into and uh try to get it back into construction out here and uh, all the construction projects like basically halted and uh you know i got back into service plumbing and you know for me getting back into service plumbing was uh, you know basically getting back into customer service and uh, learning how to you know interact with people and sell those services again. But like anything else, like riding a bike, man. Once once you've done it before, you get back into it. You know, you start uh, getting the hang of it again. So
0: yeah. So it's interesting that you bring up the move because that was actually the next place I was going to go. I think um, I think it's important for people to understand that. You know, sometimes you have to sacrifice your own personal shit in order to move forward. And what let me explain what I mean by that is that, you know, Andy, if I'm not mistaken, uh, your wife lived in uh, still lived in Chicago and then you Mm -hmm. moved to Vegas, right? You separate.
2: Well, well, actually, no, she. So my my mom's family is from Vegas, right? So I came out here for my grandmother's funeral. I'm thinking maybe 2007, 2008. And I remember calling my girlfriend, now wife, right at the time. And uh, she said, how's everything going out there? I said, man, the weather is so nice out here. And it's like December, you know, and it was like freezing out in Chicago. And I just remember we were having to dig her car out every day. And, you know, I was the one digging her car out and warming it up and stuff like that. But, you know, there was one day where she was like crying and saying, I hate this place. I want to move never took her seriously. But when I came out here to Vegas and told her that she said, well, you know what, I'm going to start applying out there. I said, Oh my gosh. Okay. What did I just do? Right. <laughs> you know, I, like basically I was working with a buddy of mine out in Chicago, man. And we had some cool stuff going on, you know, we were doing, um, you know, uh, multi-unit uh, housing, you know, and stuff like that. And we got into doing some nightclubs and stuff and restaurant build outs. And, you know, we were having a lot of fun out there. So, when she told me that, she said, okay, well, I got a job out there. And it was within two weeks when she applied that she got the job, right? So I was like, oh my gosh. So she was moving out. She was like, are you coming? I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, of course I am. I'm not gonna lose this hot babe, right? right. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, once you meet that one, you're like, oh, you know, my family was telling me, you better lock that one down. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet her, huh? She's smart you know, she's hot, you know, and you guys like her. That's a good sign. Yeah. You know, so, you know, long story short, you know, she's now my wife and, you know, she was a big motivator in us starting this company too. You know, she, uh, I was working for a service plumbing company. I loved my job. My boss was a good dude. Um, they paid me well. I I felt important, you know, it was, uh, you know, just one of those jobs where like I had gotten comfortable. Right. And, um, and my wife just said, hey, you know, if I go and I get my master's in, a, in a, you know, a business finance, her master's, she's, she's getting her bat master's in business finance, right? Okay. So, not only she was she, had, she have a master's in, in teaching um, special ed, she also got her master's in uh, business finance. So, she said, if I do this, will you do it? So, I'm thinking like, ah, yeah, cool. You know, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Right. And then one day she's like, okay, I did it. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Well, that means we're going to get this thing going. So I was like, ah, you know, since I had been in partnerships before, that didn't work out. I was kind of skeptical and, you know, things were great where I was at and stuff. And finally, I just said, okay, cool. It was the hardest thing I ever did, man. Like I was nervous. Like, you know, that nervous feeling when you're about to do like, when you're about to ride a ride, you're just scared of. Maybe you're skydiving out of a plane. It's that feeling where like your heart is in your gut. And, uh, you know, you almost start shaking a little bit. Um, that's how I felt, man, because I was making six figures, you know, I was well-liked, well-respected in the industry. And then I was going from this, um, to this, but I went from this to this to make my dreams happen and also to, uh, support my wife's dreams too, because, you know, this business is very much, you know, her dream as well.
0: Yeah. Um, and you know, you guys, you know, you guys lived on her. Okay. So, so, so she moved and you stayed uh, until, right? You did separate, I, not not separate, I think, separate, but I like, think it
2: was, gosh, I think it was like about three, four months. I think it was like okay. about three four months, if I could remember correctly. Don't quote me on that, but it was around that amount of time. And, you know, when you're away from somebody that you really care about, it's hard, man. You know, I, I look, I look back and I'm like, how do these, you know, how do these traveling tradesmen do it? Because I have a buddy that's a lineman, right? And he was telling me, dude, he was like, yeah, I'd be in Florida, you know, doing line work and stuff like that after these hurricanes would hit. And, you know, my wife was really struggling with it because we had kids. And when I came home, I didn't really know what to do and stuff. So my heart goes out to all these tradesmen who are traveling tradesmen, like with the union and stuff like that, 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 uh, really spend a lot of time away from their families because it's tough, man. And I know firsthand that was, you know, without her, I was like, man, I felt like there was a part of me missing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so yeah so once I get out here man it was so exciting because you know you're moving from gray Chicago to sunny Vegas man you can't stop smiling you're wondering why well it's that sun that's hitting you man it has a big that's
0: impact right. <laughs> yes it uh, to, and to really to drill down on that you yeah. know it spikes the serotonin in your brain actually so twenty minutes a day in the sunlight is is what helps people not to be so damn depressed which is why during this whole COVID thing people have been you know, the, the suicide rates, super high, the, um, you know, all, all the the rates are super high because of, I don't know if it's directly just because of uh, the sunshine, but a lot of it has hmm. to do with the fact that people just didn't go out and they didn't communicate with one another and they, they fucking almost dehumanized, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know what, there's, there's a lot to say about that Corey, because, you know, a lot of people uh, during this COVID time, right. There were, you know, we didn't know how to act because we were also at home or, you know, not me in particular, but you know, a lot of people are at home with their, with their loved ones, wives and stuff like that. How many people are getting divorced because of that? Just finding out like, man, it's like, you know, when people get retired, they get divorced because they don't know how to deal with each other. It's kind of like, you know, COVID hits, you don't know how to deal with each other on top of everything else, you know, finances and not working and the stresses of all that. So, you know, it's had a huge impact on people and unfortunately and stuff and, but it all goes to uh, you know knowing your relationship too.
0: Yeah, you know absolutely the awareness. I think the awareness, you know, being aware of you know anything that we've talked about, whether it's you know your your spouse, whether it's your job, whether it's your customer, is mm-hmm. super super important. And I would say you know that's you know just <laughs> that being aware of your surroundings and just in being, being aware of the folks that you're surrounded by also makes Mm -hmm. a big difference in your mindset. And, and, and I love how, you know, Andy Frisella talks about the, you know, the crabs in the bucket, you know, if you've got Mm -hmm. one crab trying to crawl out, you know, if you think about all the other crabs are always trying to pull that one crab back down, that's kind of like, if you're in a circle of people that are maybe, not the best people you need to be hanging out with. That's kind of what you're putting yourself in the position of is to have them pull you back down. Right. And
2: hundred percent, you know, you know, there's, you know, like, like everybody says, right. You're the equivalent to the people you hang around with. Right. So put yourself around people who are positive, put yourself around people who have a positive outlook on life. Cause if you got that one friend that's really complaining and, you know, hates life, hates this, hates that, you know, that stuff starts to rub off on you, man. And, you know, for for all those out there who want to who want to grow a business, a successful business, you got to put yourself in a circle of people who are go getters, people who are going to give it to you straight. And uh, you know, if you're going to have a business partner, make it your wife. That's just my opinion, but you know, yeah. uh,
0: that's make interesting. It come,
2: make it somebody you have the most, um, you know, the best communication with. Um, somebody that you aren't, you know, when times get tough. Um, you're not going to look at each other and, and, and get at each other's throats. You know, if you do have an argument, you can get over it. Um, and, uh, you can move forward, man, because just like in any, any relationship, whether it's a partnership, whether it's marriage or anything like that, um, whether it's with your kids, like you aren't going to abandon your kids. You aren't going to abandon your wife. You aren't going to abandon your business, your employees. Like there's got to be a sense of loyalty, man. And I think loyalty now in, in this day and age, that is the most important And rarest thing that you can find right now is loyalty. How loyal are you? Right. Yes. Because, because you know what, like, you know, for me, it's my loyalty. Number one is, is, is to my wife, to my family and, you know, to my employees. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not the most religious person, but I do believe in God. So, I mean, between those things, I mean, it, it keeps myself centered and in check and it, it, you know, helps me to, uh, to drive me forward and push.
0: For sure, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought up the fact that that you you know that you work not only work with not, not only married to your wife but you work with her and then so I you know I my wife and I have two separate businesses but ultimately we're you know twelve feet apart from one another all day yeah. long every day so we kind of do work together uh, just not on yeah. the same business and those times can get challenging if you allow them to. And so how have you kind of kept yourself um, uh, right side up, whatever. I'm not sure of the terminology I'm looking for, but how how have you kept the peace, right? Because it's hard working with your spouse and living with your spouse. It can be hard.
2: Well, to tell you you the truth, Corey, you know, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. And you know what? I think uh, relationships are something that we should always consistently work on. Um, I think it helps to read books. I think it helps to just uh, enlighten your mind um, because you're going to read a book and it's going to spark things that you do that you aren't really aware of every day. Um, so, I really, you know, I read books on leadership um, because I'm striving to be the best leader I possibly can and to, and to recognize and notice things in my life that I can improve to be a better leader and more understanding. Um, also, you know, I've learned to be a, a big forgiver. You know, I think uh, if there's anything that you can learn from the Bible, I know some of you guys might not be religious, but there are uh, great stories in the Bible of forgiveness, man. And uh, as a business leader, you have to, you know, be a forgiving person. Uh, You can't let things get to you. You can't let your your emotions get out of control. You've got to be really calm. You know, you've got to be cool. If you aren't naturally calm and cool, because I wasn't, you need to find a way to, you know, isolate yourself for a second, meditate, uh, do something that's going to bring your, your blood pressure down so you can make a wise decision because, you know, when people get angry, they do stupid things. You know, yeah. anytime I made a dumb decision, it's been because I've let my emotions get the best of me. And, uh, I think we just got to, you know, as business leaders and stuff like that. And if you're looking to grow your business, you've got to have emotional intelligence. Yes. So for those of you out there, man, find those books on emotional intelligence, find those books on uh, leadership, um, find those books on relationships with your wife. Um, I'm reading a book right now. Um, and I can share it with you guys. My wife actually said for me to read this book. So I'm reading it because she wants me to, uh, you know, it's called intimate communion by oh, okay. David, David. And, uh, yeah. So I just, uh, I just started reading this book today. I'm on like chapter four or something like that. And, you know, it's a very interesting book. Um, and it talks about, you know, masculine and feminine energy. Yes. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, man, but when I read books, I'm always reflecting on myself.
0: 100%.
2: Right. I'm always like thinking, man, like I'm really far in my masculine energy, man. I'm trying to get things done. I'm trying to work out. I'm very disciplined I'm this, I'm that. Um, but is that serving your wife? Well, when you come home, if you're bringing that home at the end of the day, I mean, you're going to want to be in your masculine energy, of course, right? But you're also going to want to be there to like, you know, hug them and be affectionate and listen to them and stuff like that. So, you know, that's and a dude, very important part.
0: It's so, dude, that was such a great point. And, you know, there's a book, uh, it's called No More Mr. Nice Guy. And by the, You know, by, have you ever read it?
2: No, no. I, I, oh, that's an interesting title though. You it know? is.
0: I, it is a very, it, but here's the thing. And, and I'll just bring up a couple of points in this book. Um, It was, it was gifted to me. It doesn't matter how I got it. Anyway. So what it talks about in there is the, it is the masculine and feminine energy and how people show up. Right. Mm-hmm. Because look, your wife doesn't want you to show up any differently than masculine. Right. And, and not, and i don't mean like beat your chest masculine she wants you to show up like her husband which yeah, is the man like the man right yeah. and and we want our wives to show up like women we don't want our wives mm-hmm. to show up like dudes i mean for for me and you i can yeah. say
1: that
0: right so <laughs> totally. uh, um and so it talks about and i just think it's such an interesting fact right we have been we were raised by obviously by our mothers you in particular by just your mother guess mm-hmm. what how many how many male teachers Did you have grades kindergarten through six? Do you remember? I had a few.
2: I think I had a few. Honestly, to tell you the truth, my male, if I look back to my male teachers, I can honestly say my male teachers, I've probably got the least from. Yeah. I'm not sure what that is. You know, it could be my relationship with my mom and how that may have affected me. But you see, you start to read these books, you start to learn like your learning styles. In certain uh, people that you know are going to get through to you a little bit more, but but yeah, like you, you know, I was I was actually fortunate. I had a pretty good balance between both. But That's I'll tell you what my but I'll tell you what my male teachers, you know, I had all math teachers who were male teachers. What was the subject I was worst at? Math. Math. Yeah. I was worst at math. And you know, it. The crazy thing is this is, I'm not saying I got into the trades because I did poorly in school. Well, I didn't do the best I could in school. <laughs> But at the time, (laughs) but at the time, you know what, my learning style was different than a lot of people's learning style, man. Yeah. And you know, like, I think a lot of people need to stop and realize what is your learning style? Like, how do you receive information? How do you process information? And how are you going to get to where you want to get and, you know, absorb the information that you need to get yourself to the next level? You know, I, I didn't realize all of these things until I actually, you know, dropped out of school, went to the community college, got my GED, and then went to college. You know, I, that's where I found myself because I didn't have a teacher teaching me how to do things. I was looking at textbooks, right, visuals of how to yeah. do math problems and solving these problems myself, right? So, my learning style was just different. It's, you know, and, and what it was is I'm not a very auditorial person. I've had to learn to become like an auditorial learner, but I'm a visual learner. So what that taught me about myself was this, man, I could look at something without anybody speaking to me and I could get it, you know, faster than I could with somebody explaining it to me because how I look at things is just differently than people, than people, than the people were explaining it to me. Sure. And so I know there are a lot of, there, there are a lot of people out there that probably struggle through this. And for those people that are listening right now that struggle through exactly what I went through, you know, you've got to understand that man. It doesn't mean that you're that you're not smart. It doesn't mean that you're stupid. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a laborer all your life. Um, it means that your learning style is just different. And well, once you figure that out, man, like you're gonna you're gonna kill it, you know.
0: Yeah, and to build on that, think about it. So, and I, I think that is such a great point and I'm a kinesthetic learner, so I need mm-hmm. all of it, right? Here's yeah. the, here's the also to, just to build on that a little bit. One, yes, you need to know your learning style, but yeah. also if you understand the difference in auditory, visual and kinesthetic, mm-hmm. you can pick up on the words that your customer's using or your yeah. client's using. And if they say, hey, Andy, go look Can you? Did you see that beautiful sky? Did you see the plane? Did you see, or did you hear the sounds? Right? Or did you feel what the feeling was like? And if you can pick up on those little things, you can communicate with your customer ten times better.
2: Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know what, Corey? That is so. That's so great that you brought that up because I think a lot of us naturally we're good at some of those things, right? Yes. But some of us you know, aren't so good at those things. And then, and then, and don't understand um, what it is that people need because, you know, you go to a, you go to somebody who's uh, a right brain thinker, right. Which is kind of the more creative side. Right? Um, they're going to be more in tune with their feelings. You know, if That's you go right. to like a counselor's house, right. And you got this customer who's a counselor, they're going to be feeling your energy. Right. That's right. So what energy are you going to bring to the job? So if I'm going to a job, this is why I made it a point to to always uh, on the weekdays, never drink, you know, because when you drink on the weekdays, you wake up in the morning, you're not yourself, right? If you're not yourself, you're not going to be smiling. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to bring the energy and what people feed off is energy. So when I'd go to my customer's house, my best days were when I was saying, you know, Miss Johnson, it's great to be here today. My name's Andy. I'm with such and such plumbing. I'm here to take your call today. How are you? Yeah, exactly. Right. And they're looking at you like, man, this guy has so much energy. Oh my gosh. I've got to keep this guy around me. He makes me feel good. Right. Right. So, yes. and when you bring that energy and you flip how somebody feels, not only are you a plumber, but you're helping them feel good about themselves. You're making their day better. And then icing on top of the cake. If you know how to plum, you know how to, you know, uh, be a good electrician or a good carpenter or whatever it is you do, that customer is going to be naturally attracted to you. Price doesn't matter at that point because they're going to want to be around you. They're going to want to do business with you. They're going to be feel, you're going to feel good around you and safe. And I think that's what a lot of, uh, I think that's what a lot of, uh, a lot of people need to learn is, you know, how to bring that energy and how to make people feel good how to make people trust what it is you're going to do. And, uh, you know, I think that's number one, especially I, in the service industry.
0: I totally agree. And just on the flip side of that, you know, when the not so, the the hungover Andy and the not so positive Andy shows up, you're going to get the same, you're not going to get the same result. You're going to get the result of the hungover Andy.
2: The, yeah.
0: the Andy doesn't really want to be there. Your customer is going to feel that shit too.
2: Yeah. It's very, it's going to be very low vibe. You know, they're probably going to be like, eh, this guy might not be the right guy. Eh, okay. You know what? Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff to do, but Hey, you know what we'll do it next time. Right. Yeah, Let's exactly. just do it next time. <laughs>
0: right? They can feel that energy. They don't want that yeah. energy around them.
2: Yeah. You know? And, it, and, and, you know what, you know, what's crazy, right? Is look at politics, man. All right. Look at politics. Maybe that might not have happened this, this presidential election, but usually the one with the, the most energy, the highest charge of energy is usually going to win, you know, depending on the on the circumstances, circumstances in the situation, because people are attracted to people with high energy. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it goes for anything, man. Are you excited about doing my job are you excited right. about helping me solve this problem? Or are you just kind of sitting there like you don't like your job? Right. You know, it might be time for a job change, man, if you feel that way. That's right. But, you know, if you can bring it, you could go You can bring that high vibe, man. You're going to do well.
0: That's 100% right, dude. And you can even probably be a half ass plumber, right? You can be a half ass plumber with a great attitude and probably do better than somebody that's a master plumber with a shitty attitude.
2: Yeah, and and you know what? Let me tell you, there's guys out there who are very, very good people, and they make mistakes. And then you get that phone call and like, yeah, you know, I just wanted to say – your technician was the best technician I've ever had. You know, he's a super great guy. We loved him. But you know what? We still have a leak underneath our sink. <laughs> right. And you're like, wow, how good of was that? How good that's a, that that's customer. A a feel? <laughs> yeah. they you know, they they need to get this fixed. It wasn't fixed, right? But hey, that guy was like a great guy, right? So, you know when you're starting off in the plumbing trade or, or, you know, as an electrician or, or carpenter or whatever, it's all right to make mistakes as long as you're a good dude, people like you, That's right. you know, they're going to, they're going to be forgiving and they're going to give you another shot. So, you know, for any of you guys out there getting into a trade, have a good attitude, be positive, take good care of customers, let them know you genuinely care. And if you ever make a mistake, you will be forgiven. <laughs> That's
0: right. Absolutely. So Andy, we are coming close to time. I just wanted really quickly, I just wanted to have you say, you know, if there's something that you would like to leave the audience with, maybe it's somebody that are thinking about getting into the trades or maybe somebody, maybe a different situation, maybe they're already in the trades and maybe they're just getting old and tired. You know, Mm -hmm. could you leave these, could you leave a little bit of, um, uh, uh, what would you say to either one of those people?
2: Well, look, hey, there's a lot of tradesmen out there that, you know, at a certain age, they start thinking, man, you know, I'm still doing this trade. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to do this for long. Um, you know, at that point, you got to think, you, you you do have a lot of credentials. Number one, know your worth, right? You've been in this trade a long time. Number one, you have a lot to offer somebody who's young coming into the trade. And right now, guys, if, if, if you guys are listening to this right now and you're a tradesman, your duty as a senior tradesman is to help bring as many tradesmen as you can into this industry and give them the tools and the necessary training that they're going to need to be successful in their career. And you know what, once you find out that, you know, you you might find out that everything you did in your career, all that hard work that you put in the best thing you're going to, you're going to enjoy about your career was helping that young tradesman, you know, get that house, you know, take care of his kids, take care of his family. What's your legacy going to be like as a tradesman? You know, if you're 40, 50 years old, that's great, man. You're in the highlight of your life. You have so much to give a young tradesman out there in the field, but you know what? The real thing's going to become from the, is going to come from the gratitude of the young tradesman that you helped, you know, rise, rise up the right way. Right? right. Yeah. So that's their legacy, man. So if you're a a tradesman out there, man, and you're still doing it, which my dad still does it. He's in his fifties. He's still out there plumbing to this day, right? He's actually working for my brother, believe it or not. But anyway, (laughs) I always tell my brother, I'm like, Hey, don't let the old man do the work, dude. Put him where he can train guys. Like he trained us, you know, and uh, make sure he's taken care of. So this goes for young guys out there too. If you see a, a, a tradesman, you know, who's, who's later in his age, guys, respect him, man. Respect him. He's been in the trade a long time. You're going to be there one day too. How are you going to treat them? Are you going to make sure that they're taken care of? You make sure they're taken care of? Guess what they're going to do for you? They're going to train you. Everything that they learned throughout the years, and you're going to become better for it. So that's what I want to leave with the, the rest of the guys out there. But uh, yeah, guys, you know, I, uh, you know, my modern day tradesman company is all about bringing respect back to the trades. You guys can uh, go on my website. It's www.themoderndaytradesman.com. I've got some content, just some tips, you know, what have little tricks that I've learned throughout uh, the days and stuff like that. Of of me being out there in the field and stuff. Hopefully, that's a value uh, to people and stuff like that. And plus, we got some cool gear you can rock to, you know, to be proud of your trade and stuff like that. Because as tradesmen, man, we're responsible for a lot. You know, keeping our 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 country's infrastructure uh, running and stuff. And you know, we improve the quality of life every day. So if you don't think you're valuable, now you know.
0: That's it. And you know, that is such a great. I'm so glad that you said it like that, Andy, because you know, I don't even know if I ever looked at the big picture of, you know, how important or or how much we depend on you guys just to keep our our luxury life every day where we can just go to the restroom in our own house. That's a luxury that people didn't used to have. And that's all due to you and what you've done you know, in, in the trades. And, and so I really appreciate you coming on today, Andy, and, uh, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. So I appreciate you, brother,
2: man. I appreciate you having me on and stuff like that. Corey, it's always, as always, dude, we have great conversations and stuff and, you know, hopefully we get the message out to, to everybody out here who needs it. You know, I think we had a good positive talk about energy and stuff like that. And, and, uh, hopefully it helps a lot of people, man, man.
1: I think it
0: will. So thank you, Andy. Appreciate you, brother.
1: If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination.